0: When I'm not drinking bourbon or writing blues songs, I listen to the Sean Geek podcast over on seanmcginnety.ca. And you should too. We're back for part two of this interesting conversation with Gregory Komichek, Mr. GMB himself the author of Automatic Age, and his current project, The Dead Work. Enjoy. We start getting into comic book shops and a whole slew of other great things. <laughs>
1: Um, this is all sort of baked in the fact that I had collected comics my whole life. Uh, I had owned a comic store. You know, I just comics had been part of my life the entire. Which comic store did you own? Um, I was part owner of the Comic Cave on uh, on Jefferson, okay. and then Carl Hurry and I, I closed that, and we opened a much larger, much more ambitious, much uh, harder on our personal lives store called the Red Dragon, which we had movie rentals comics uh role-playing game stuff we did that's at the time where you would people would pay money to use the internet somewhere so we had like yep. we had land computers, oh, yeah, computers yeah yeah so yeah, yeah.
0: Stuff. yeah yeah so was there a connection to comic cave on uh was it comic cave on saint mary's there was
1: one on saint mary's and there was yeah. one on Corden. yeah they were all part mitch ruir had owned the, that whole franchise and uh carved out bits of it he smelled the end of the direct market Okay. early and i think uh jumped out and that's not telling tales out of school he would he would corroborate this uh with a smile on his face that like he's that was, was that was my
0: comic other. shop actually
1: yeah mine that's too like, well because i went to Glenlon, so i was across the street
0: but you went to Glenlon too okay yeah so, right, yeah
1: yeah so uh you know I stood in the comma cave, I guess how what I, I would have been 17 years old, watching my high school burn down while I played Samurai Showdown and looked for the next Rob Liefeld book, you know, like this was this is, like my school, literally for the dear listener, literally burned down while I watched it. It was it was a, kind of surreal to think about.
2: What, what year did that happen?
1: I have no idea what year would that have been? Time is sort of like irrelevant. One thing that I'm really bad at that Justin, uh, my studio mate and my wife also, Tara, constantly make fun of me for is I never know what the day is and I never know what date anything happened. So um, if you're going to clone me or pretend to be me, the tell will be someone will ask you when something happened and you'll tell them what date it was. And then my wife will shoot you in the head because she'll know (laughs) you're a lizard person. Yeah.
0: Oh man, I used to go to Comic Cave. I'm gonna
1: look it up though. What year did <laughs> on <Fremont> burn?
2: <laughs> Sean, when when you were there, it didn't burn at your time, right? It no, was no, pri- prior to that. So I... prior to '87.
0: Well, Greg, aren't you like roughly? I don't know if I want to g- give people's ages. Do you even know how oh, old? Oh no,
1: age are? is fine. I was born in '76.
0: Okay, I was born in '71. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. So burn... My before
0: God. You're yeah. both younger. Nice. No, sorry. <laughs> no one's you as good you... as you,
1: You'd think it'd come up right away. It looks like 93.
0: 93. Oh, wait. So it burned before you wait.
1: Yeah. Before the graduation, before I graduated. And so they had to rebuild part of it and then get us back into the school. So like school got canceled, the school burned down, got- school got canceled for a while, which was amazing because my parents were like, well, you're not going to stay at home. I'll just drop you out at your friend's house and you guys can cause trouble throughout the neighborhoods. And so that's what we would do well and then uh they were doing the rebuild and they built this big wall around it and we i got in a lot of trouble because i painted a big demon on the side of the school like with a like burning school (laughs) and they made us paint over it and uh man i haven't thought about this in a long time either wow
0: it's awesome
2: yeah so is that like with a spray spray can
1: oh gosh no uh we were just uh it was like refugees from the art class, right? So we just took whatever art supplies hadn't burned, I guess, and uh, were because uh, they put one of those big like plywood safety fences. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. And then right. they encouraged the community to come and kind of make it beautiful and the that. Remember that now. And I thought a big demonic lion with bat wings and flames <laughs> around was cool, right? right? Like, come on, that was gonna be awesome. No, that was not appreciated, as I recall. <laughs> yeah.
0: Too soon. <laughs> wow so we went to the same school we went to the same comic shop
1: yeah but like okay so you are,
0: are we related are... or something yeah no not get a little irish in your background maybe i don't know
1: so what you that you would have been when you graduate
0: then? i graduated i guess it was eighty. wait 89 yeah 89 Probably 89 yeah
1: yeah okay so you know we uh we tread the same halls, but we didn't have any overlap.
0: Yeah, there wouldn't have been overlap. I don't yeah. think. Yes. Well, that's, I used you, the reason I used to go to that comic shop, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the guy that one of the, the one of the guys that worked behind the counter was Doug. Yeah, Doug McLean, right? I don't know if you know who remember who that is.
1: Is that but, the guy who drew the Rooster comic?
0: I don't know if he drew comics. I know he was a, he was a huge co- comic nerd for sure, but he was a musician. He was in a band called the Bonaduccis.
1: Oh yeah, okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I was
0: like in awe because I had a band at the time.
1: Oh, Doug, he and I worked at Value Village together. I think no way. at one point. Yeah, we both slung vintage for a while. No way, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Now that you mention that,
0: that's a, sure. he's a, he's a great songwriter. I've, I've got all his stuff on uh, on CD. Like
1: that's they, some Winnipeg magic. That's going like that's a deep cut into my oh yeah, like, man. teenage angst years. Yeah. Bell used- Bottom's wild hair and Raven. Shit.
0: <laughs> yeah wild air oh yeah i definitely had that
1: well you know
0: it's yeah oh man yeah
2: so what was your what was your typical friday night or saturday night back then
1: back then yes oh man i'm trying to think like do i give the full honest answer <laughs> and incriminate myself or do i give the like you can kind of you know they make yourself seem over. like a sophisticated writer of words and pictures that you are <laughs> this day. Um, I can tell you that one day we one day I may have been present, maybe I shouldn't say we there was a time <laughs> when some people who shall remain nameless may or may not have found two flagpoles sawed them down and jousted with two borrowed cars up and down St. Mary's road. That may or may not have happened. And I won't speak to uh, any of the legal ramifications that may still be available, but I will say that um, no comment, your honor.
2: (laughs) Obviously before the red light, uh, Red light cameras were installed. No red light cameras. Yeah. No red light cameras.
1: You know, my wife would say that I'm a, you know, I was a high functioning nerd. I had two, my two uh, closest friends at the time, ta- at that time were uh, well, my three closest friends at that time were uh, three girls that everyone that I went to high school with was convinced that I must be sleeping with one of them. Cause why else would I hang out with all these girls all the time? But the truth was, They were the only ones that, if I wanted to stop at the comic store and then read comics on the way somewhere, they'd be like, they would let me be to do that. So we'd be on our way to a party and I'd be reading the newest issue of like, what was it then? Like Wildcats, probably. Oh, yeah, sure. Right? This is, and uh, being like, wow, Jim Lee, he sure can hatch the shit out of some like belts. (laughs) Right? Uh, Like, (laughs) man, Grifter's Mask is so cool. You know, like, this is just what you. And then we would go to the party and we'd have a good time or whatever. And um, at the same time, I would, so I'd party all night with the, with these three friends and then they would drop me off at my friend's house to play d all Saturday morning. Yeah. You know? So it was, uh, it was a pretty interesting time upon reflection. Uh, now, one of the reasons why I was capable of getting up early in the morning to play d while being out late partying at, you know, present at a jousting match uh is that i didn't drink and i didn't do drugs and so i could just you know i was like a pretty well-functioning person in both elements of society i mean i may have been a juvenile delinquent that won't i won't say that i didn't have my (laughs) my uh problems but uh yeah that went a long way so you know uh the comic cave was definitely a, a refuge for me throughout high school where You know, there's so much high school bullshit drama that goes on all the time. Yep. Uh, And the idea that I would walk across the street to a to a building where none of those dramatic people would dare set foot in because it's a comic store. And I could meet my friends there and we'd play Samurai Showdown against each other. And we'd buy, you know, like I said, that was when Rob Leifold was breaking and I couldn't quite grasp it. I didn't quite like it. But my buddy Gary was like a huge Liefeld Mark. And I kept trying to convince him that this other guy, this McFarlane guy is way better. You should oh, yeah. yeah. And then at one point we traded Hulks and Spider-Mans and Eric Larson also figured prominently in our trades yes. at that point. And nobody, though, even at that time, would appreciate my love of ROM, even the comic store owner.
0: Rom the. And space I'd be night. like,
1: "Yeah, rom, greatest of the space knights." I'd be oh. digging for old Rom pulls, oh, and yeah. I'm pretty sure that was Mitch at that time. He would just make fun of me, and i would be like, "You don't know, you don't know what's good. Get out of here." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I still have my roms. I, oh, my comic collection is on the other side of this wall. Like on the other side, I get all my long boxes in there. I yeah, get, yeah. definitely have some rom in there for sure. Oh, I like nothing rom. better. I think Rom now Phil
1: Manlow. Shit, I oh, could write. What a tragic yeah. end to that guy but uh, I mean, he's still around, but he's not mentally present. Yeah. Sad.
0: I think that's due for an MCU update, but I think that'd be tied up in rights.
1: I think Hasbro owns the rights or maybe a claim. I'm not sure who has the ROM rights, but uh, you mean IDW did that run, but I just couldn't handle it. They changed. The one thing I love. I never read that. I couldn't
0: even do. I couldn't. I couldn't.
1: He's supposed to have that toaster head. Yes. If he doesn't have a toaster head, I am not interested. Like If oh. he doesn't have it, I, that square thing, I'm just uh, do,
0: you, do you remember the ROM toy, Todd, growing up? This was like... Lazy. Let me show you something. Wait.
1: Now, no one else has seen this, probably. And this is just a draft copy. This is a printed copy, but this is uh, a new project of mine. But you will notice my, my hey, absolute hey, love is. letter to ROM. There he is. Right there on the cover. Oh. I hope... I get a cease and desist it's it's far enough away and there's nothing even remotely Rom like it on the inside but I just that's how much I love Rom I was like I'm putting him on the cover of this book essentially. Yeah. I, I
0: could see a James Gunn my Rom parody yes for the
1: lawyers who are listening
0: there you go yes I could see uh James Gunn pulling a Rom in uh, Guardians 3 oh I could see it you know
1: I would actually hate him if he did would you yeah it would be envy it would just be oh, it would be envy yeah my envy would weaponize into just a ray that would leap from my heart and strike him dead wherever he stood so <laughs> he best not so
0: I, i've got a i've got a sad story to share with you well not not sad but um so the, the comic you were referring to earlier that that i put out forever ago yeah uh, yeah.
1: what simca. was that called
0: it was called simca simca,
1: simca yeah yeah so yellow and blue color scheme right yep,
0: yep. yeah yeah i remember greens and greens and reds were the um, the 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 colors of the two types of magics um but anyway i i don't know if you know but um there was 36 issues but i didn't
1: all, know that you made 36 issues well hang
0: that? on hang on there was 36 issues written and okay. i had I, I had started writing them and then I started drawing them. So I actually drew two issues of my own, which I, I don't know where those drawings went, but I actually drew it myself. Because I'm like, I'm not going to find, I'm not going to find anybody to draw this. And I went through, I think three artists before I found Jenna. And Jenna's a famous movie maker now. Like she's crazy, um, crazy involved in the movie scene. And she's doing that as a career now. Um, and we were also on the same star Wars movie together. That's how we
1: met in the trenches. That's how everyone trenches.
0: Yeah. So anyway, so I was hired by an on an online magazine to release Simca, but they wanted in, they wanted it in script form. We want this, we want to try something different. We want to touch on superhero stuff and we understand you've written a superhero spec or whatever. Oh, we want to see it in comic script form. So I released 36 issues with them. It was a monthly run, and like just
1: the scripts, but not just, drawn. just
0: just the scripts.
1: Interesting.
0: And every issue was anywhere from 20 to 25 pages. I had 20 days to write each script. That that was my timeline. And then the first like two three months went through, with with my editor was like. The first issue was 14 edits back and forth, send it back. We need you to fix this. We need you to fix this. This was how I learned how to write, fix this. This isn't good.
1: To write as human to edit is divine.
0: <laughs> and then this, the second, the second issue or issue, if you want to call it that the second, this set of words that I, that I put out, it was like 10 edits. And then it got better after a while, but I released, uh, I released over 36 months 36 issues, never missed a deadline, and actually got to tell the story from beginning to end. And uh, worked with two editors while I was on there. And well, the sad story is they've taken the web magazine down in the last, I don't know, last year or whatever. So there's no online perusal of those scripts which
1: but you have those scripts oh no no i
0: have them all i didn't lose anything no but now i'm like okay now what do i do i think i want to do something with them
1: but draw yourself man
0: i don't draw anymore i just write i've i've written like like I'm, I'm not a guy that writes stuff and just puts it out in the world like i write and i write and i write and then i'm like mm, this is good so like the one i'm working on now is like i want to put this out in the world because it's commercial enough but i've i've written eight novels Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa! i'm gonna jump all over you commercial enough is your reason well hmm. back me up here <laughs> silent partner <laughs> commercial is not the reason you want to share it is
0: the the first the first book that i tried to get published was dark as f okay it was really dark um and i tried to pitch it over and over you know i I actually had somebody uh drop it off at at uh, a publisher i can't remember which one it was now in in seattle and i was like back then there was no internet like it is now like this was pre-internet so i was trying to I would get remember sending
1: paper copies of
0: things that's what i did man
1: Dude, freaking publishers and agents yeah what oh. a world we're in now well, anyone that's... who complains about oh i don't want to send it out and get a rejection i'm like you'll get your rejection right away yeah, shut yeah, up yeah. yeah yeah so i did that for
0: the first three books that i wrote i just pushed pushed they were always dark they were they're edgy um they weren't pretty they weren't comic books they were uh i don't even like they're what
1: finished. the business would call grim dark
0: yeah I guess so I was doing that and after a while I'm like you know what <laughs> fuck you all I was like you know what I'm I'm not writing for you anyway I'm writing for me so I just kept writing my books on my own for me you know and a few people would read them and stuff like that and that was good so the one that I wrote pre the kids being born like I I showed the premise to my wife and she's like this is good I'm like compared to what <laughs> <laughs> she said she, she read one of the old ones and she's like this is really well written but you will never sell this is is what she said it's too dark it's too hard to read like it's it's an emotional emotional read and everything else it's just too much so but she saw this and she's like wow like she says you've become a good writer I'm not saying those other books weren't good.
1: Okay, so who else but, has seen it at this point is my big question.
0: Um, I got about seven beta readers.
1: Seven beta readers. That have read it. Are they uh, peers or friends?
0: Mm, not peers. No peers, actually. All just people. So some from some people from work, some people in other provinces and stuff. People that I found to read it. Okay. So they're not, they're not writers themselves. Right, just
1: people. So it's like your your close circle of like I'll trust them with my heart for a short time.
0: Pretty much, yeah.
1: So So I would I strongly encourage you to find some peers to read it, or at least read excerpts from it, a chapter or two at a time, and find some mentors to read it. And that's how you'll know if it's good.
0: Yeah, I guess. But but here's the thing. So this is where my brain is because I've been writing my whole life. Right, like I started making comic books when I was five years old so I could write it wasn't I couldn't write when I was five so I was drawing to write kind of like you know like well I guess I have a comic now that's what I did and then when I could write and write better then I just transitioned over because really that's what I like doing so now it's like this book is good I know it's I know it's not good I know it's great like I love it I can read it and enjoy it and if someone else likes it that's great but I don't know. For me, it's like, I'm enjoying this and Hey, if it gets published, like I'd like to get it published. Sure. And it's
1: done. It's finished. It's ready.
0: I'm doing, I'm on, I'm doing an eighth edit. Now I get some just grammar, a little bit of grammar cleanup to do. And
1: okay. So you're just doing like some, uh, copy edits right now.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But I did, I did get a professional edit done on it as well. Yeah. And, uh, that, that was actually totally worthwhile.
1: It's a hundred percent. Uh, like, watershed moment for me as a quote-unquote professional like I had been paid to do all kinds of writing and illustration before that but the moment where I realized oh this is what other people have that I don't have Mm -hmm. it was a substantive editor that they were paying to not take your feelings into account simply the structure of the story itself sure yeah right and now I have peers that can do that for me now and I have some mentors that can do that for me now and I even still we'll pay a substantive editor to come through and say like what's broken. Yeah. What doesn't work. What doesn't work. And it's, it's so vital. And when anyone who's listening to this is like, Oh, is that, you know, super, it's not very expensive. You're paying somebody, you know, maybe a thousand bucks, 1500 bucks for their time to give you a professional opinion on something. Right. And you're going to care about your book a lot more than you care about your car. And you're going to pay that to tune your car up anyway. So why wouldn't you tune your book up? Yeah. Good point. Right. Um, you want to get it running smoothly. And then the other thing too, is remembering, like the thing for me, another big one for me, at least for um, my own process, not necessarily the output, but my process was when I realized that no book is finished ever. Mm -hmm. That someone always has an opinion on what could be changed, what could be done. And it's just how much energy I want to put into it at that point. Yep. Right. And at a certain point, if I'm still fired up, to make those changes and take those suggestions and whatever, then I will. But as soon as I'm like, okay, I just can't tinker anymore. Yeah. I don't want to, I have a new idea that I'm in love with. I'm breaking up with this old idea. You know, I'm seeing another idea. I'll whisper to the book silently, you know, we've had some good times together, but I'm seeing another idea on the side. I think I found somebody (laughs) i i would like to spend more time with them i think it's time for us to part ways you know you go your separate ways and that's when it goes into you know on sub or into editor's hands or wherever and you just have to that at least for me is like recognizing that i could work on it forever yeah but i should oh no for
0: sure i should when we did our album it was the same thing like okay what can we tweak further right like todd was the engineer of it right so it's like okay well little tweak here a little tweak there a little and just keep going and it's like okay well we're done yeah (laughs) like let's just be done now and and put it out like you know it's the same thing for music for sure
2: yeah there's definitely more that could have been done but i didn't really have the expertise to uh to get to get it to the point of uh someone who's been doing it for 20 years
1: (laughs) yeah for sure and our um you know uh wiser people than I have pointed out that our taste grows faster than our skill set. So we can sometimes tell something's wrong, but we don't know how to fix it. And that's okay. That's part of the process, right? It's like, you can't, the moment you acquire that new skill, you'll want to go back and fix everything. So it's good that you didn't have that skill because now you can let that project go and be what it was a mark in time of what you could do then. Yeah. You know, if I look at those old ash cans from the dark, I think I still have a few that survived. They are horrible, like <laughs> horrible, um, like embarrassingly so. And but they were the you know, we it was the best we could do, you know, yeah. with the skills that we had and we were proud of it. And nobody else around us was doing anything. So like by comparison, it stood out anyway.
0: Sure. And there's, there's also timelines. That's the thing to keep in mind. Like with that project, it's like, okay, well, I mean, you guys had, we got to get this off the ground. We got to get it going. We got to get this filmed.
1: You know, it's like, okay, well, well I'm not even talking about now. the episodes. The episodes hold together okay. But like I did this little comic short for it. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so bad. Like it's pretty good.
0: I, re- I read it. I, re- I remember. Well, I don't remember it anymore. That was like forever
1: ago. But yeah, perfect. So whatever fun memory perfect. you have. <laughs> Whatever fun memory you have, that's just nostalgia talking, (laughs) right? It's kind of like how we sort of remember the A Team as being entertaining, but we should (laughs) never watch an episode ever again.
0: Good point. Montage. Yeah, montage.
1: I do pity the fool. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, although Airwolf still holds up. I will. I'll maintain. Does it, though? No, it sure does. Okay. The theme song of Airwolf still holds up.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 that's awesome. So I guess we should talk about this uh, this Kickstarter uh, thingamab- thingamaboo.
1: Thingamabob's dead work.
0: Yeah, yeah our so book has
1: risen. That's true.
0: I'm, uh, I'm pulling it up here. I'm actually going to read the blurb. Blurb which I, I actually recorded an ad to put in front of our show. And did I, you
1: really? Amazing.
0: amazing. Uh, and it just, it sucked. I just, I, I did 12 takes. And I'm like, okay, obviously I'm not in the right mind frame. Um, okay. So this, this is, so this is your current project. Yes. Called
1: I'm, I'm uh, one voice among the cacophony. Yes. Oh
0: no, no. There's, there's yeah. lots of people. Yeah. So, it's called the Dead Work Anthology, and reading from the page is an upcoming collection of short comics from a group of Canadian comic creators known as the Dead Work Collective. The DWC originally came together because we've all been making cool comics together that we're proud of, but we found it can be hard to find a home for shorter and more exper- oh, experimental ones we've done. There you That's go. So, so, Dead Work is, is a fun.
1: haunted mixtape of experimental comics uh, where you know, award-winning writers and creators of all sorts have sharpened these little sharpened these little knives in their drawers, and they're just not big enough to be a weapon unto itself. But if we put all those sharp points together, it makes a hundred and forty-four page monster that has risen up. The dead work is kind of a, a slang term that I bandy about for any short project that you have where you don't like you're done. It's five or six pages. Maybe it was part of a pitch. Maybe it was just figuring out an art style. Maybe it was like, oh, you like in my case, it was like, can I set a parameter for a certain kind of storytelling? And what can I tell given those constraints? And then you push yourself. The whole group of us, the collective had sort of been talking to each other about how we all had these little experimental stories. And it's too bad that you can't send those to places to be published, that there's no place anymore that publishes stuff like that. You know, magazine world is sort of dead now. So there's no place for that stuff to live. Um, And then we're, you know, didn't take us long to say, like, well, if we all have them and we put them all in the same book, then we could publish that thing. And it will have real value to a reader as a sampler of science fiction, fantasy, horror, uh, some dark comedy, some pretty R-rated extravaganzas in there. Like I'm looking, um, at I would say fifteen this plus.
0: This is this is nuts. Like how many how many people is this now?
1: There's eight of us, but there is uh like 15, 16 stories, and some writers are the art. Some writers for some people are the artists for others, and right, yeah, some of the litterers yeah. are the. There's if you made a Venn diagram, there'd be a weird sweet spot where we almost all overlap on each other's stories in some capacity, and it's uh you know it was just. Comics is, uh, in a way, kind of incestuous in that if you find a group of people, you kind of get into bed with each other, metaphorically speaking, on your projects whenever you can. If someone's a pretty good letterer and then they become a great letterer, you don't want to let them go. Sure. Yeah. Right. And if somebody is a good writer and you have fun working with them, even if you write your own stuff, like in my case, working with Jonathan, I wouldn't want to let him go. Like She-Wolf is the story it is because he wrote that and not me. I illustrated it and I changed the beats and some of the structure, but it was really a push pull uh, scenario that made that story work. And then I wrote and illustrated some of my own. I did some writing on one of Justin Curry's uh, stories and uh, Zack Snyder did some of his own and he's collaborated with uh, Linden. And, you know, it's just it's just like a wild exchange of creative powers
0: this game has got like lots of like sneak peeks of everything which is
1: good it's good yeah Sp- we're really pumped we've got uh i don't know like 25 days left or 23 days or i forget how many days left uh but we're about halfway there uh and really hoping to cross that finish line because we really just want to get these comics that we love into the hands of people who love comics i like comics yeah so <laughs> uh you know Thanks for having us on to talk about it a little bit. I did um, I'm
0: doing a little promo, oh, a little bit of promotion through my uh, through my
1: my interwebs. You know, and I'm sure that somebody, somebody who 30 years ago was like, "Where did my god damn flagpole go?" <laughs> was just about to back the Kickstarter and has listened to this podcast now and is, you know. I uh, click no, click cancel as a result. So maybe I've been too forthcoming.
0: <laughs> but um, so y- your goal is, uh, it says here, right? So 12,000 is the goal, I'm trying to raise yeah. 12,000. You're currently at yeah. fifty three sixty seven.
1: Yeah, we're just trying to raise the print yeah. cost yeah. Uh, so that we can get the book uh, out to people. So basically if people pre-order it, it pays for the print run and then they can have the books. Yeah. If we go beyond that, then we're going to divide that among the collective as a page rate um we also have some plans to send it to rural schools and uh rural libraries and a few other places that you know have a hard time getting comics and and cool stuff like that um and one of the things that we added just recently because the world is you know on fire and shipping is a nightmare we added a digital bundle so you can get 450 pages of comics for i think it's like 20 dollars as a
0: 20 bucks yeah
1: digital add-on on the on the kickstarter so um if someone is worried about whether their book will arrive it's already finished so that's easy we've already booked our press time at uh, Freezins printing so that's good we're just waiting to push start uh and in the meantime you can read 450 pages of comics yeah,
0: the pdf is it. only 10 bucks folks
1: yeah pdf of the book yeah you can read 144 yeah. pages for 10 bucks for sure
0: yeah like that's that's crazy the physical copy is only 25 so it, this looks like is that is that meant to be oh no hang on physical copy
1: yeah it's 25 and And then there's a oh and
0: you're you're also throwing the pdf in with the physical which which is cool because that way you could keep it aside and keep it pristine and just read the pdf
1: you know what but don't (laughs) i did i mention i owned a comic store speculators (laughs) if you're listening to me don't do it just just it doesn't work just read it Books are for reading.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. yeah, you know what I'm
1: slabbing I've, them.
0: I've never bought a comic and just put it away.
1: Yeah, you gotta read it, man. I don't read understand. It. And it's not as you know, as a person who bought other people's collect, it's it's not worth what you think it is. If you have original art, mind you, you have original pages from an artist, those always appreciate in value, those are a good investment. If you're a speculator trying to get into comics, Stop buying number one issues of things. Stop buying key issues of things.
0: Mm-hmm. Track
1: down original pages of those things.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like you that, will. The you uh, the the first printing of a uh, simca I think is going for about uh, forty thousand online right now. So. See, there you
1: go. That's yeah, there you go. Nice. <laughs> Making bank. <laughs> Making
0: bank. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Uh, no, I know. I don't. I. I'm in it. I'm in it for the comics. Um, this is cool. so I'm gonna be sharing this in the episode, but I'm also just gonna be periodically just sending it out to the interwebs as I say. and uh like this this is good stuff and this and the thing is even if you don't like this guy here, Mr. Gregory.
1: yeah, if you're you missing didn't... a flagpole <laughs> it was 30 years ago
0: <laughs> even if you don't like his stuff, it doesn't matter like there's so there's so many different stories in here. there's different artists, different writers um if you're a fan of gregory's stuff then like how can you not buy this
1: yeah there's three stories but, you and, won't get any other way actually yeah. four four stories from me that's, that you that's, get
0: yeah way. that's the thing like this stuff hasn't been published and like all of it none of it's been published yeah, this is all, this is yeah. all. so this and for, is limited edition in,
1: and for in- many of yeah. us it's it's us kind of doing the kind of raw comics we wish we could do you know it sounds funny but Uh, It's like what you were saying a little earlier. I was jumping on you for, uh, you know, that comment about being commercial. Yes. There's clearly projection because I, you know, what I don't like about that phrase is that I know deep down, sometimes I make the commercial choice. And with Deadwork a lot of these things are not the commercial choice. They're like the weirdest stuff that we most want to make. And so we made it. There was no publisher involved. There was no page rate involved. It was just the pure love of making comics that made us make this shit. And now we have it. So what are we going to do with it? Right. Yeah. So yeah. you can have it too, if you want.
0: Yeah. This is great. Like, now, I don't know. What are
1: you doing in comics land these days?
0: Um, I'm just working on, I'm just working on the book. Like the last. So when, when Simca happened, I, I tried to get more, more art because my art is not, it's a lot. like, I've lost a lot of steam. Like I stopped drawing comics probably around 15 and then I took it up again at 21 and just started drawing pages again. And then I just, I'm like, I'm, I'm drawing just to get the comic there, but it's all about the writing for me. It's, it's always been about the writing. So I just wanted to find an artist and I just went through a bunch, bunch of artists, but I did the same thing. I managed to do, you know, get, I actually have 75% of the second issue that no one's ever seen. I do have that. And I do want to put that up somewhere at some point. Um, but then I did, I did a second pitch for a second series called the CST, which was supposed to be um, a take on, um, I don't know, like Avengers teams and justice league teams and kind of my own spin on it, but with a whole bunch of government conspiracy and stuff,
1: as long as you're doing 90 shadows or like Wildcats, the covert
0: yeah. action team. Yes. There you go right but this um it was going to have a lot like everything i write has a little bit of social commentary on it so this had a a, a big social commentary and I, and I did about 10 issues of it i've got the whole thing plotted out for the whole i figured that that one was going to be a bit of a longer run that was probably like a 50 issue run well i've got that all plotted out i
1: think that sounds crazy how do you plot 50 issues without an artist attached to me
0: i know it's crazy right
1: that sounds
0: nuts. That's why I had a hard time when an artist came in. Like when Jenna came in, she just started reimagining because my scripts are very Alan Moore. The character is in the left side of the panel. He is standing face forward. Like I I, I have a lot of description in it. Yeah,
1: see, I can't. Yeah. No, yeah.
0: there's no way I can't do it. No, no. But when I worked with her, it was like, uh, okay. So when you actually collaborate with somebody, you can actually have
1: fun. Yeah, it's just so much fun to collaborate. I'm working with somebody right now on a. Uh, we're just at the first, actually, the. I will not say who it is because we have made no announcements, and both yep. of our agents would be upset if I even suggested that the book was real at this point. What it is is just us having fun. And so we meet on Zoom, and uh, I use this top down camera setup, and I just draw, I just doodle shitty drawings of the stuff we're talking about, and we try to lay out all the pages like 15 20 seconds at a time like oh and then they do this and then they come over here and almost like a storyboard it's comics but at the pace we're going it's kind of more like storyboarding where i'm not worrying about the layout of the page i'm just trying to get an idea into a rectangle and then i'll figure out how we're going to make it into a page later right and it's the most fun that you can have together yeah
0: that would be a lot of fun
1: Right. And we're just talking through the characters and we just sort of picked a theme and we're just pointing at the theme and finding our way. And, you know, after about two and a half hours in our last session, we just had the entire sort of 120 page arc figured out.
0: Uh, to finish drawing it actually draw right. it
1: right and now yeah now it's about picking scenes it's about going through and saying okay what are the scenes that are actually important and rearranging those and i do it all on uh, these little five by seven cards which are actually just i just take the paper cutter at the studio <laughs> and all the prints i have that are uh, either old stock or damaged stock or like tired stock i just flip them over because they're blank on the other side and i cut them into quarters nice so On the bones of my dead artwork, I craft uh, new stories. And so we've been uh, just smashing stuff out on these cards. And what's great about that system is you can rearrange the scenes as themes and beats of a story start to materialize. Yeah, yeah. Right? So if somebody, if the writer says, you know, oh, we're not losing this line under no circumstances is this line going away. How can we recontextualize the entire story to save this darling, which is different from writing prose where you just cut the line. That doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, When you're at that breakdown stage, or at least how I work, when I'm at that breakdown stage, if the writer has a darling, we pack everything to save it instead of throw it out. And I find it makes for a much more interesting story because rather than do the prose trick of just cut it. It doesn't fit. We just rearrange the images until that line is the surprise or is the power moment or is the heart, you know, the darling becomes like what we're aiming for instead of what we're cutting.
0: Oh man. No, no, uh, now I'm missing this here.
1: Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm
0: missing, I'm missing the comment. The, and that, I guess that was the thing I was always trying to find a partner to work with because once I realized how, the process can work because so I, I guess i'm a bit of a control freak over my work but when i worked with jenna was like oh like i can let go and i can let her like this this is kind of what i want can you give life to instead of telling her exactly what to draw and it was like amazing
1: yeah like, well and I that's
0: do that more but yeah
1: the control freak part of me is i think where automatic age comes in right where i'm writing prose sure. and i'm you know it's my way or it's no other way and in fact i don't even let the pictures get in the way i um uh you know well you know it because you're a prose writer too the story becomes denser because you're not showing some things yes yes right? and, yep. and you're able to move through emotion through tone through ideas uh paragraph at a time and really layer it and pack it in tight so in a page of prose if you had to unpack that as comics that might be 15 pages Right, You can just get to it in Prose and that, that's something I really like about it. Automatic Age, though what I did do was I inserted about 30 illustrations in each volume which are not um, spot illustrations which in you know publishing that means like a picture added after. yep They are actually that page of the story. Yes. So if you skip the illustration, if you just glance at it you know tertiarily, You miss a key, you miss some key features of what they're talking about on the next page. You know, there's a moment in automatic age where it's like, how is the Autovolt tracking them? How does it know where they are? And there's a tiny little clue in one of the pages that shows the Autovolt spot, the clue, what it is that he's following and what he's been following the whole time. Right. And it's only in the picture. It's not in the words. And I don't address it in the prose. I don't address it in the text. Those two things are not separate; they are combined in there, which is, uh, you know, that is unique.
0: That's not that's not typical at all.
1: Yeah, not typical. And so, you know, maybe that's me trying to be anti-commercial.
0: <laughs> maybe a bit. I don't
1: know. Right, maybe that's a little, all right. Hard to know.
0: All right. So, where can we find you, sir? Where do we Where do we find you? I'll I'll, I'll link. I'll link to the uh, the Kickstarter, which is Kickstarter projects.
1: Yeah, the easiest way to find the uh, Kickstarter is deadwork.ca. The smartest oh, is- thing- oh, okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. The uh, smartest thing The Collective did was buy the URL right away so that it's just easy to point people at the Kickstarter without having to remember long stuff. So deadwork.ca will take you right there. Uh, links to all of our socials are more or less uh, through Kickstarter. You can find there. But my name is a mouthful, G-M-B. C h o m i c h u k. If you search that up, you'll find my work wherever fine works of literature are sold, and a few places where they are not.
0: Or as I like to say, ch-gum-bum-bum?
1: yeah, it's Gregory Michael Burton Kamichuk. <laughs> uh, but somewhere along the way, in a draft that got accepted, my initials were put in print without the periods ah uh, and then i was like i'm never going back
0: yeah why not right? It ends up, right
1: yeah so here here i here i am gmb and no periods and that always messes people up because sometimes interviewers are like is that is is this your name and people more and more these days are trying to be not make assumptions so they'll ask yeah right they don't want to misgender a person They don't want to mispronounce sure, yeah, a name yeah. and so they're trying really hard to get the full pronunciation and when i say it's gregory then a light comes on and they're like oh those are initials oh <laughs> right nice it's kind of my ee e. cummings moment i guess i took the punctuation out instead of changing it from capital to lowercase
0: todd from here on out you can call me SMM. That's, smm that's my new that's my new smm that's me now smm smm okay. Yep.
1: it makes a nice noise if you say it kind of in a sultry way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he's hungry. I'm the <laughs> Right? It's, mm. Mm,
1: he's
0: eating. <laughs> mm, s'mores. <laughs> oh, awesome. All right. Well, we're mm. gonna sign off here. I'm. I, I got to go kill some zombies and uh, Fallout seventy six. I got to go <laughs> uh,
1: make some pages for my next project. So yeah, I'm you do. To do that. So
0: yeah. thanks for coming on. I wanted to do this for a while, but I'm like, how do I ask this guy? Like we know each other, but we don't know each other, but we know anytime
1: just to yeah. ask it's fine. Yeah. And the world is closed. So we're all just one screen away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. True. But Thank no. you so
1: much for having me. And wow. Did we ever go on a deep dive into my past?
0: That's my show. <laughs> That's the show. That's how it works. Yeah.
1: Loved it. Um, next, yeah. Next time we're on here, we'll again.
0: talk about that incident. Uh, when you were five.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, we all have an incident when we were five. Let's do yes, yeah, well, this
2: is so, this so, is therapy yeah
0: this is
1: therapy <laughs> oh my god awesome. yes thanks thanks so much for having me guys yeah yeah good good yeah, luck with the project me, yeah.
0: and uh we'll uh, we'll catch you on the flip side
1: cheers thanks so much all right Later. thanks cheers